Hey y'all, and welcome back to another episode of the Crude Audacity podcast, the podcast that talks shop shit and all things strategy with oil patch influencers. As always, I'm your host, Catherine Mills. I'm a reservoir engineer with a focus on advanced characterization. So guys, we have a very special segment for you today. What is the one main reoccurring theme that all of our influencers have been hitting on? Well, if you've paid attention, they keep saying, do not be afraid to reach outside your job description or your discipline. In fact, they're literally saying business first, think ahead, be strategic. It's not only about taking the next step. It is about making yourself a more dynamic teammate and being complacent is just, it's never the answer. And opportunity will only happen because you make it happen. So you have no excuse. I don't care if you're in the field, you're an engineer, land guy on a subsurface team, three years of experience to 30. The reality is, is you need to strategically plan your professional advancement. Today's influencer has had firsthand experience in turning today's energy professionals into tomorrow's energy leaders. She has cultivated strategic pathways for rising stars to not only achieve their aspirations, but excel past their expectations. Today, we discuss advancement in the oil place. Sarah Durdowski, welcome to the Crude Audacity podcast. Thank you. (laughs) So as you know, everyone is looking for that next step. Everyone is trying to figure out what gets them ahead, how to network, how to have crucial conversations. And truth be told, everybody's trying to figure out what does work and what does not work in terms of advancement these Mm -hmm. days. You have been a champion for women in the industry. You have connected with leadership all over the world. Mm-hmm. You have helped energy policy discussions. And because of your efforts, both men and women have excelled into roles and responsibilities that they otherwise would have struggled to navigate themselves quite possibly. Also, congratulations for being one of the top women in industry. Thank you. <laughs> So before we jump into all of my questions, can you please take us through the beginning? How did you fall into energy? What attracted you to this industry? You did not start off this way. So can you take us all the way back and take us forward? Sure, sure. It's a, it's an interesting journey from Savannah, Georgia, all the way out to Denver, Colorado here. I know um, Savannah, Georgia. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So um, basically, you know, I went to grad school and undergrad thinking I was going to move into the international arena and sphere when it came to um, working in nonprofits, UN, things yeah. like that. Um, the fa- UN? Yeah. So, oh. so fantastic ideas and journeys and great places to meet people. Um, but essentially, um, my grad school took me to the Canadian consulate here in Denver. Ooh. It's fantastic. I get to meet some great Canadians, but also do some research and basically dug into beef and oil, which are kind of the two main trading or the largest trading commodities that we have between the two countries. And it's funny, they go hand in hand so well. They do. They really, and cowboy boots too. Yeah, um, well, there you go. <laughs> so essentially, um, got my start there. Um, and the Canadian consulate had um, some good contacts here in Denver, specifically mm-hmm. Canadian oil and gas companies and pipelines. Okay. Um, and this was back in um, 2006. 2008 okay um, and then um, essentially I was wrapping up some work with the Canadian consulate um, and they were talking to four major uh, energy companies here in Denver who were thinking we need more than just an oil and gas accounting class we need folks who are gonna make this big crew change that's gonna happen soon um, who have more skills yeah and so they didn't want a generic MBA they often uh, were retraining these folks um, specific to the energy industry exactly 
And so um, they got together, approached the school, and basically the Global Energy Management Program was born. <laughs> fantastic. And you've really taken it from the beginning. I mean, you were the you were the first employee, correct? So, so we had our my executive director, and so I was the first employee. So kind of worked with all of our students, um, kind of our marketing piece, our advisory council from 2008 all the way to where we are now in 2019. That's amazing. So when you when you first joined this industry, mm-hmm. what were your impressions of the energy industry? Because not everyone has the best impression of us. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, you know, it's interesting. I, where I get to sit here on the academic side is I get to look at it um, as almost like a fly on the wall, an audience member. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the Global Energy Management Program is an all energies program. So I get to see a little bit of everything. Um, and so my perspective has always been that it's a global um, commodity, oil mm-hmm. and gas specifically, but energy as a whole. Right? So energy everybody's using every day. Um, and so, yes, there's compromises that we need to make uh, moving forward for um, a more sustainable planet, but how do we do that and how to have everyone in the conversation? Exactly. And so not everyone gets to have my perspective, <laughs> unfortunately. I wish they did um, to really kind of understand where people um, play a positive role yes. um, and then get to talk to each other. And so that's a big mission of mine now moving forward. Yes. Um, but, you know, it, again, I got to come at the industry with kind of my limited trading knowledge, mm-hmm. um, and then kind of develop the rest over the years through networks, contacts, talking to my students, and um, yeah, just learning the industry from the ground up. Well, you've made a really good point that y'all focus on all areas of energy, mm-hmm. not just fossil fuels, right. not just oil and gas. Right. So do you have specific programs uh, designed for alternative energies or... Uh, I guess, emerging energies? (laughs) Yeah, no, it's a really good question. And so one of the biggest things I think that sets us apart specifically is, no, we make everybody be in the same room together. And that's really important. You want to have tough conversations. There's no just, you know, sitting next to someone you agree with. We're going to work through all of this together. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, we're moving forward as a civilization together. Yeah. Uh, We make decisions together. We make consumer choices together. Um, And so we don't have specialties. It's important to us that you learn aspects of every piece of it. And then your case studies, specific maybe group projects you work on, you can focus in that area. So take me through the program as a whole. Global energy management. Let me just be very clear. (laughs) Global energy management. So as a newcomer, having don't I don't have a master's maybe yeah. I might not have a um, an energy undergraduate degree but mm-hmm. I am interested in this industry mm-hmm. how does this benefit us what are the steps procedures processes yeah take us through everything so we can learn as much about it as possible yeah so um Essentially, a lot of our folks um, who come through our program, our, our potential students, do have an energy background. So okay. basically 90% of them do. Awesome. Um, others come from different industries that are great crossovers, uh, maybe in different areas. So that might be legal or policy so they can work in industry. Okay. Or it might be somebody who came from um, a supply chain side of the house. Ooh. So some, something a little bit different. Um, but essentially... The way um, the program works is it's 18 months, so everyone is um, working full-time, which is Mm -hmm. fantastic. Um, And so the hybrid online format, which is four days in Denver at the beginning of a quarter, so like a business quarter. So it's a Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday. Oh, it's over the weekend. Mm -hmm. That's perfect. Only four days, and then the other nine weeks is online. And so that's a hybrid online. Everything is asynchronous, so... You go so to work. people working in the yep. field can actually do this. Yes, and we have guys who work offshore specifically. Oh. Um, so it's fantastic for those guys since 
they know when they're home and when they're not. Um, <laughs> but then also when they have specific downtime too, right? There's internet on every rig. It's just the way it is. Yeah. Um, so they can do their schoolwork when they're out there. Some of my maritime guys, the same thing. Um, so they can constantly be improving themselves while coming through the program. And that real world experience is huge for the class as well. Absolutely. Um, so that's kind of the hybrid approach. Um, and then it, you know, you take two classes at a time. And again, everybody has to take it this way because they're all working full time by coming through the program. Um, but it allows my students to live and work all over the world. So if you're a business on the mm -hmm. sales side, you can travel, keep that up, no problem. So everything's in a podcast, yeah, <laughs> which is fantastic. Um, and then my faculty, too, are experts, right? So yeah. they see uh, you has fantastic faculty, but the biggest piece we wanted to have is a very practitioner's approach okay. um, and applicable pieces. So um, how are you choosing your professors then? So good question. So a lot of them have been full-time faculty for us for a while, but essentially they've got to have 20-plus years' experience um, in the industry, which is 20 huge. 20-plus. That's hard to find these days it's hard um, <laughs> it's hard um, but they're fantastic um, and so we're able to kind of get the best and brightest because they still have their full-time jobs too oh they're so still all working as they're well still working um, and some are now just doing consulting some teach at other universities but I have done you know tons of consulting mm -hmm. um, a great example is one of my instructors from Calgary you have Calgary uh, he's <laughs> also a chemist um, PhD chemist but you know he's um, created multiple companies, sold them to Conoco and Exxon and things like that. Business so he's first. actively <laughs> doing that, um, but then also kind of coming in and teaching for us as well. So as practical as, as we can, which is, is really important to us. And then on that kind of ensuring we're kind of including the full spectrum or bouquet mm -hmm. of energy, um, again, our faculty have different experiences and stuff yeah. too. Um, and so making sure we tap into NREL, obviously right here in town. Mm -hmm. um, one of our instructors is um, from NREL, which is fantastic. We have some great renewables resources here too. Res America yeah. is fantastic, has an office here in the Denver area. Um, but also globally, we tap into some of our resources um, there because our student base is also global. Yes. Um, we get folks who come in from the Middle East, which is fantastic. Um, Africa. They would have interesting stories with what's happening right now. <laughs> yes, um, they have a very interesting perspective. Um, and then just, you know, different parts of the region when I think of the power gen side, you know, people coming in from the northeast, from ERCOT, from um, kind of California, totally different structures, totally different regulatory schemes. Um, as you know, in oil and gas, every state can be very different. Yeah. Um, and so North Dakota thing. is not Texas, is not out yeah. east. Yeah. <laughs> and your landmen would say the same thing. Each each kind of state is Louisiana is very different than in you know, the rest of the country. And Louisiana and Mississippi are just their yeah. kings, man. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, uh, so, yeah, so it's a variety of different ways. But the important piece is that they're all um, working and talking together. And specifically, oil and gas has solved a lot of issues, technical, yeah. um, as well as kind of working with communities and policy side. And I think there's a lot of lessons learned that can really be shared yeah um, and you wouldn't get that if you split people up so I think it's it's so um, important that they're always together and you know they're each other's contacts for life so is it mostly fossil fuels oil and gas coming through or is there kind of a healthy mix between those who started in maybe the alternative realm coming through yeah yeah so it's a good question we've uh, we've seen that kind of morph and change over the years for okay. sure we're still about 50 percent oil and gas but i always say we're reflective of the market okay you know, where jobs are yeah um, is really important but also kind of maybe where they're going um and so my student base kind of kind of reflects that and so we see kind of where they move we've had folks from oil and gas move into uh, a more renewable space we've had folks from um, policy kind of move into um more legal side of the house okay so it, it's really been kind of what the student wants but you know I have seen more and more people just wanting to be flexible I right? like that yeah. yeah really learn all sides of the spectrum because yep. that's really the end game here yeah absolutely <laughs> um so 
one of the things I really want to hit on is when, let's say, let's go back to the 80s, early yeah. 90s, okay? The path forward used to be you get some sort of engineering undergrad. And uh-huh. a lot of the times that was the petroleum engineer. Sure. And get a mines degree. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yes, exactly. Go get a mines degree. Um, that's not the path forward for most people. We're mm-hmm. seeing more people introduced into the trade side of industry. Yeah. We're seeing a lot of people not move forward getting their EIT, getting their professional license, not even considering a master's mm-hmm. these days. But the path used to be get your petroleum degree and go get an MBA. Yeah. This is not your daddy's MBA. Yeah. So can you please take us through some of the differences of the then and now, basically? Because our industry is not what it was 45 years ago, even though some of them are holding on tight. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Some people, it's hard to let go sometimes. <laughs> um, we're certainly very different than the 80s in a lot of ways. Um don't have bangs, don't have, but a lot, no, a lot of ways it's very different. <laughs> don't have bangs. Yeah, did you I have bangs that. in the 80s? I did. I had crazy The bangs. one that like yeah. went up. Up and then down. Yeah. 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 Oh, for sure. Um, in, in a lot of ways, but I think education has also morphed and changed too. Yes. And a lot of the folks in leadership don't know what that looks like. They have, like you said, their structure where you go get your engineering degree, get your MBA. But, you know, education's changed and there's free courses online now where you can get really tangible skills mm-hmm. um, and some of that is really starting to be recognized um, as different leadership kind of comes in so there's a lot of different ways to get your education now and so one of the big things that I always talk to um, students about or just in general is find out something you're passionate about yeah and that's what you need to kind of target your education on I think it's hard to get a um, like a graduate level degree in something that's generic and so <laughs> that's true. Um, I think, you know, sometimes undergrad, we're not entirely sure what we're looking for, what we want to do, finding ourselves. Um, but your graduate uh, degree is really to kind of say, like, I'm putting my stamp on it. This is where I'm making my career. Mm-hmm. This is where I'm going to maybe not become an expert, but this is where I'm going to spend my time yeah. um, and show my passion. And so that's very different than saying, I'm just going to go because I know I'm supposed to check the box. Um, to get it done because graduate school now is also where you make some of those contacts that people aren't making face to face anymore. Exactly. And the energy industry is a small industry and so and then if you bifurcate that down into even like oil and gas is even smaller. Yeah. Even on a global scale. You, they can pretty, always find you. Oh, it's pretty small. <laughs> and so in graduate school you really make a lot of these tight, tight connections. Mm-hmm. Um I've had students start businesses together, seek each other out, you know, build teams to go in front of uh, PE to get PE or VC money. Yeah. I mean it's it's phenomenal what you can do when you kind of get that in-person piece to it too, but still kind of leveraging that online piece too. So I think, well, I mean, long and short of it is, I think it, it is changing dramatically. Um, and that, you know, as we see new generations kind of move into that upper management, you'll see an acceptance of these different types of um, degrees and opportunities. Um, but I will say when it comes to your graduate degrees, get something specific, be passionate about mm-hmm. it. And energy is easy to be passionate about. Oh, yeah. Um, we see what's happening geopolitically. Yes, it's insane. It's crazy. <laughs> it basically runs everything, it feels like. Um, and so it, it's just, it's a very different world. And yeah. people have more options. Um, and they have more opportunity to choose something um, that they want to do and not just kind of follow a standard process and path. Because it doesn't necessarily get them where they were thought it would get them to mm-hmm. either. Um you know, you're not just going to stay at the same company for 10 years. That's yeah. rare. And so how can you do that? And how can you leverage um, education to help you get there? Um, instead of, again, saying, I went to this school, <laughs> so I'm going to hire you. Well, 
not everyone goes through and gets a college degree. We're seeing right. more trade come in, but sure. these types of programs are still killer for them getting ahead. Mm -hmm. So talk to us about how this can help not only the engineer, not only the lawyer, mm -hmm. but those who might think that they don't have a path forward for you know advancement in industry, be it energy, be it fossil fuels. Uh, they might just be some like field guy who's like, well, this is how my dad did it, so this is what I'm going to do. Yeah, you know, it's interesting. You know, we've had certainly some field guys who have come through our program who've done it for, you know, 15 years. I know, and they have years. all the secrets. They, they literally <laughs> have all the secrets. Sometimes I wonder, you know, if they left, what would happen? But, you know, they've been doing it for so long, but they're not just plug-and-play guys, exactly. right? Exactly. They are paying attention. They see, you know, if they bring something to their boss, you know, why they're making a decision, why they're not. They've mm -hmm. asked the questions. They've paid attention. They know how to get things done. Um, and at some point, they might say, you know, why am I out here working like this yeah. when I have all the, the pieces to kind of take the next steps? When they're better than the engineers a lot of the time. Yeah, or they tell the engineers, that's not going to work. Let me tell you, <laughs> I'm, you can try it, but that's not going to work. I've witnessed a few of those conversations. <laughs> they generally don't go so well to begin with. Um, but it, it's a great opportunity for them to kind of, as a stepping stone, right? Yeah. Um, to say, like, take me seriously. This, mm -hmm. this is real. Um, I like that. Take me seriously. Yeah. Yeah. Well, something you said earlier uh, really resonated, the networking. Yeah. And this is a great place to start that because not everybody falls into it. So can you kind of talk to us about the networking opportunities that come from programs like this, from what y'all provide, yeah. and really where it stretches into industry? Yeah, so networking, as I mentioned, it's it's how you get things done here. Well, it's like a crucial conversation and mm -hmm. people can tend to shy away from them. It is. And so, you know, basically in class you have you have no choice. Um, <laughs> they call you out. They call you out. A little Socratic method. Um, <laughs> so we want to ensure you learn. But it's also, for example, we have a cohort-based model. And so what that means is you kind of start together and finish together, which is nice. I like that. Yeah. No man left behind. No man left behind. And it's, sometimes you have to take a break. Um, you know, because life happens. Uh, but we try to get you back in with the same people. If not, we get just started and mm -hmm. finishing with a group too. Um, but essentially, um, it, networking is, you know, what you make of it. But we try to force a little bit of networking at first because yeah. uh, it can be hard. People are coming from, you know, people coming from New York, California, Texas. Very different um, perspectives. Very different perspectives. <laughs> and very, you know, so we do a lot when it comes to um, some leadership and some team building pieces that we kind of add in as kind of some value add for folks. Um, but, you know, I think bringing in alumni is a big piece. So we bring them in and, it, you know, I have my groups come in to talk about how we got jobs from each other. Yeah. Or how we started businesses together. I like um, that. That's so it really one. shows like, oh, my God. And it's not just one or two. Like, this has happened multiple times. That's awesome. And so I think showing that and then just really encouraging them and giving them opportunities. During cohort weekends, we always have a social. So that's important. Yes. Get out of the classroom. Stop talking business for a little while. Have a beer. Chill. Exactly. <laughs> Get to know them as a person. Yeah. And I would say that to any of your listeners, don't just talk shop. Oh, my God. No. No. Like literally, there's nothing more not, boring. I, my name is Sarah Durdowski, and I'm director of this. Super. So, you know. You say your last name so much better than I say your last name. <laughs> so you know, sorry. Like, I mean, do, the question is, do they like to fly fish? Do they like yeah. the um, uh, mountain bike? They mm -hmm. do, because this is a great way to connect with people, broaden your network, and then maybe your business meeting is on a bike, and it's not, you know, <laughs> just a conference room In Denver, somewhere. that's probably, that's probably actually very accurate. It's true. <laughs> or Calgary, too, during good weather. Good weather. Yeah. They're, didn't they have a blizzard? <laughs> yeah, I think it just snowed there ATCE people yeah. living it up. So, but networking, I just can't stress how important it is. And to make sure, you know, I would say network with people that you wouldn't normally connect with too. And Find so grad school, yeah, gives you that safe place to do that. I think that's wonderful. 
Well, okay, so you really are cultivating next year's leaders, or not (laughs) the upcoming leaders. Let me find a way to say that, sorry. And you've been doing this for such a while now. Mm -hmm. So how is leadership changing? Mm -hmm. What are you seeing from your speakers? What are you seeing in terms of evolution from your students? How was it 10 years ago? What's now? What do you foresee happening in the future? I mean, trends have definitely shifted and changed. And you know, the biggest biggest way I kind of measure that um, are both with kind of like big meetings that I go to whether it's not we travel to our London course kind of see what's happening internationally but also you know we survey our students constantly um, and we have our own alumni board which is great too so kind of hearing kind of what they're interested in or if students come talk to me about their jobs you know what are they Mm -hmm. looking for now and it has definitely changed so some of the trends I've seen is people because my our average age is about 34 which is a nice age oh good yeah I like that age Um, is that you know they want to have a flexible but resilient career in energy yeah lots of them since you know I started this program 2008 we've Mm -hmm. seen some ups and downs commodity price shocks things like that time to start a program right (laughs) right and so um, they want resilient careers and Mm -hmm. so what does that mean and so generally I get a lot of type A people, but in a positive way, um, that come through, uh, but who are thinking about this, right? You know, they're starting families, they're moving, they're thinking about changing jobs, they want to be recognized. Everything is a spinning plate. Yes. And so um, it's just, it's a challenge, Mm -hmm. um, but it's one that they see as an opportunity, right? Um, And so instead of maybe sitting at their desk thinking, like, I'm going to stay seated here so that they see me, so that they know they need me, (laughs) to saying, like, Things are happening. Mm-hmm. I better take care of myself. Yeah. And so always keep professional development on the forefront. Um, always be learning and always be curious. And so one of the um, the trends I've definitely seen is they, they want to be flexible. And mm-hmm. so maybe that means stay in oil and gas, but then learn different areas. You know, yeah. if it's downtime and you're still on board, find out what the accountants do. Go walk down to land. Figure out what's going on. Talk to the government relations people. How can I help? What's going on? Um, so that you are more valuable and then, you know, if opportunities come up, hey, I, I can definitely go in there to help. So it's not about just being seen in a butt in a seat. Yeah. Make sure you're valuable in other ways, right? No, I completely agree. And it's funny you say that because, like, how I started off this podcast, everyone is saying get outside your discipline, get yes. outside your comfort zone, learn something that makes you more dynamic for the team. Mm-hmm. Not one of our industry influencers that we've interviewed thus far got anywhere just by doing their job right. description. And I love that about yeah. this industry because you have so many options. Absolutely. And, and you know, since I see oil and gas and I see kind of the policy side and renewables, you can go and sit and learn some of the stuff. If you feel like people are opposed to you, go sit and get their perspective. Talk to them. Don't just have a, I'm going to educate you on what this is and what we do. Absolutely not. This is a conversation that you have. Condescension does not work. (laughs) Does not. But have a conversation with them and find out what they're working on. Don't Mm -hmm. just have it be like how you can tell them about you. The best thing you can do in networking or just in general is have somebody talk about themselves. Oh, It's like the best (laughs) thing ever. They cannot wait to like bestow their wisdom upon you and they usually have so much to bestow I mean yeah. it's amazing kind of like what I'm doing with you now <laughs> I know, it's, like, it's a little weird to say that yeah <laughs> no I love it though so let's get back to networking yeah because that's something that's becoming more and more crucial in our mm-hmm. industry and like you said we are a very small industry yeah and I'm talking energy is a small industry I don't care what spectrum you're on but you have one of the better international presence than most of our other just day in, day out mm-hmm. CEOs. 
So what are you noticing from networking? What is happening overseas? What's happening in the environmental segment of this yeah. industry? What is happening here at home? Because I'm going to get into Colorado in just a second <laughs> with you. <laughs> sure. Um, it, I can speak to it, you know, just obviously from my experience and, and the conversations and things that I've had. Um, we just got back from London just recently. Um, what and, were y'all doing over there? So uh, as part of one of our courses, we go and meet with a lot of uh, international energy um, companies and then also governments to kind of add that perspective. Because um, we can get very uh, North American centric, yes. um, which is good and bad. And I think it's important to kind of keep that broader view because um, we're only point. a small piece of the overall globe. Exactly. Um, and so, you know, some of the trends and stuff we've seen um, are the past few years, but it, it's really been pushed harder, I'd say, in the last probably 18 months. It's this whole concept of energy transition. And so it's just the phrase you hear over and over again. You mean to renewables? No, so energy transition. So there's no end date. There's no um, one or the other. So the conversations with BP and Shell we met with them same phrase same terminology they're talking about energy transition okay so what does it mean yeah so it means a lot of different things to a lot of different people but the concept is essentially saying our energy industry is transforming okay it's transforming in a lot of ways there's no necessarily winners or losers associated with it it's saying it's transforming because do because of climate change and so what okay. does that look like and yeah. how do we get there because there's been how these arb arbitrary targets that have been put out there mm -hmm. arbitrary folks who sign up for different pieces of it countries <laughs> states you know even um in the uk they have issues with some of their um counties signing up differently than the states and so really yeah so it's a challenge Local issues are a challenge everywhere. Um, and so, but but the concept is energy transition. And okay. I think um, having that conversation and talking about it in that way where there, there's not saying transition to what. No, it's we're in a transition. And I think everybody can say that that's true. The whole okay. world, we're kind of transitioning into a new world that we don't know what it looks okay, like. I like that. I yeah. like that a little bit more than like, we just have to go to renewables. No, let's no. talk about the transition. Things might, things might be regional, you know. We yeah. all know that we use plastics and we have, you know, cars that run on diesel and cars that run on gasoline. And that's not going to change instantly. Um, but, you know, how do we get to maybe these goals that we're all striving for? And again, maybe certain things are regional, some things are geographic based on the resources you have. But overall, we set these targets and have these conversations together and it will transform we're not yeah. going to be the same no we um, shouldn't be no mm -hmm. and I think you know we have certain obligations and and we will meet those but everybody needs it to be at the table to have a conversation it's not an us and them it's a we it's us correct I completely agree us, just totally and so the conversation is definitely shifting into this energy transition you'll see BP's talked a little bit about it in their strategic outlook they talked about it more Shell's done the same thing in one of their next their um, latest scenario sky they talk mm -hmm. about what that looks like yeah um, and so it'll just be interesting interesting to see I have no idea what it looks like I feel like we're educating these folks who are going to come to these decisions and figure out maybe the pathways for this energy we transition. actually might be uh, yeah. educating them <laughs> what are you seeing from an international perspective on today's markets because like you mm -hmm. said we are in a transition yeah. there's a lot of volatility when we hurt here in the lower 48 we hurt everyone in the long run because every the energy markets are so interconnected yeah so from an international perspective What's happening over there that we need to be cognizant over here? Yeah. Well, what's interesting is, you know, just the Saudi Arabia strikes and stuff like that. Yeah. What you know, happens when a major player goes offline? Uh, nothing. Yeah. And I will say, you know, um, kudos to the U.S. for being such a resilient um, and independent economy. I mean, a blip on the map for us, honestly, which, you know, years it was ago. barely a blip. Years ago, you know, hitting a commodity price like that, um, it would be a massive issue for us here. But yeah. it really wasn't. It really no. wasn't 
maybe eight hours much of, <laughs> yeah much of an issue at all and so um that's a big piece geopolitically that's changed the mm-hmm. u.s everyone knew the shale revolution was a big deal yeah but this really proved it like we are now you know a dominant force in that way and so you know it's kind people, of amazing people think about you know natural gas to different folks lng coming in yeah uh, it's it's a high potential for the u.s and so um i mean basically it's the power has shifted a little bit on the oil and gas side. So, um, if, did that sort of reflect in London when you were there? Yeah, I mean, definitely the U.S. is is an opportunity um, mm-hmm. that you know it's a big market. If things don't work out, um, if they need to, I mean, they're already, you know, you being from the South, I mean, just give a <laughs> shout out. You know, they're already importing um, American um, logging from yeah. Alabama. And I don't know if they are from Mississippi, but bringing that in to burn as biomass, right? So, yeah. you know, they're looking at some of the neatest technologies when you want to think about. Um, different types of um, gas. So you talk about green gas, right? So then there's green gas, um, there's um, blue gas. Talking about mixing mixing with hydrogen. I am not a scientist. Let me be clear about that. You Um, know so much, though. I'm loving it. I know, like a very shallow (laughs) amount of things. You know, different ways that you can do that to even clean up natural gas even Yeah. Right? So it's fantastic. Uh, But they're talking, I hear a lot more about that internationally than I do here in the U.S., which is interesting. Yeah. Um, You know. Ooh, that might be something to pay attention to. As we, like, electrify um, kind of the grid more, Mm -hmm. um, how we kind of decarbonize you know, using kind of cleaning natural gas even more because it can, yes, absolutely be a bridge fuel, but it can still be cleaner, right? So it's yeah. still not. And so how do you do that? Exactly. And there's lots of crazy scientists who've figured a lot of this out already, but some of it, if you have green gas, that can be pumped right into the straight infrastructure that we have. Mm-hmm. Nothing else needs to be done. Absolutely. So if you go to full hydrogen, it's a whole other thing that I don't even understand. <laughs> so, uh, but there's lots of trends like that that are happening that I feel like are just a little bit slower to make it here to the U.S. Okay. Um, but are coming, you know, okay. but they no, are coming. I like that. Yeah. So uh, which CEOs have given you insider secrets that you can share with oh, us? Please. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> but let's go back to what's happening here on the home front in yeah. Colorado because there's, I mean, I'm going to call it unrest because yeah. there, we. I feel like when I go to the COGCC meetings, mm-hmm. it, it is an us against them. And yeah. we're seeing a lot of protests downtown. I mean, honestly, where do people find the time for this many <laughs> protests? I mean, I, I I don't disagree with them yeah. or, you know, anti their point or whatever, but it, it seems like there's a lot happening. Yeah. So what are you noticing? What are you hearing around the, uh, <laughs> the matrix, as it were? Um, what's happening in Colorado? Is it a sounding board for what potentially could happen in more oil-friendly states? Are we just a yeah. jumping a Well, jump you know, point? first of all, Colorado is a fantastic place to be. Oh, um, I love it. Because mm-hmm. we are, you know, we're a purple state in a lot of ways on politics. Yeah, we are. Great place to have dialogue and kind of literally be that litmus test to see if things work or not. Um, but also, you know, our people, I think, have... Um, they're torn on some things, They're right? They're very torn. And, you know, and I think it's important we have these conversations. And um, it can seem a little extreme sometimes. And that's that's the thing that bugs me. Um, is <laughs> a I little am, extreme. <laughs> I, I am all for um, having dialogue and discussions. As a matter of fact, I feel like a responsibility as a public institution to have these good conversations and not just give opportunities and platforms for people to talk at each other. I love that you just said good conversations. Yeah. That means so much. And so we actually... I don't want to bore your listeners. We have like 10 energy principles that our previous executive director kind of put together. And we kind of hold those to be tried and true so that we actually have a benchmark on where we start. Mm -hmm. So we are not derailed. So these are like guardrails we put up for our conversations. Okay. So we're not going to talk in the extremes one way or the other. Okay. We all believe certain points. Yeah. 
Um, one of them is energy is a force for good, which we do think is true. Yes. Um, but we talk about energy poverty, which brings uh-huh. up economics, which brings up issues. We talk about climate change, which is a real thing that people believe. And exactly. so let's talk about business and um, keeping people's lights on at the same time. Correct. And so um, that's the conversations that we like to have and that we kind of really drive for and being in Colorado I think you can really do that I think where the press gets um, or people get the most media and press are on these extremes where nothing is getting done no problems are getting solved (laughs) Um, people are just gonna protest and they have every right to do so 100% but I live in the middle Mm -hmm. Um, I think maybe I'm naive I believe most people live in the middle (laughs) I saw I got a family to go home to I need a job I love the planet still I want to go out and ride my bike I want to kind of experience those things and I think that's true but you have to you have to put these guardrails up to not allow those extremes to come in because the problems are going to be solved by the middle too correct and so when I look at Colorado um, I really look at policy and think there is a middle and Mm -hmm. I really think we're a solid purple state which I think is excellent 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 for us to be a model you know I think about our methane rules that we came up with that industry and government working together to come mm-hmm. up with some incredible like some of the harshest methane rules there are in the country yeah they're a little tedious <laughs> yeah. but that's fantastic right the industry and mm-hmm. um, government working together to solve a problem because industry saying like we recognize this is not good for the environment yeah so let's do the right thing here and let's see how we can come to an agreement that works for everybody so we can make this happen so i mean i think that's a great example of how it can work and work well together um and, and that way, that's you know Colorado leading here. And I think there's a lot of other ways that Colorado can lead if we don't get distracted. Key word, distracted. Yes, <laughs> and I think you know that that's hard. You know, you get a new party coming in, you get a new legislator coming in. Um, but I do think there are some very practical people mm-hmm. in that in the House and in the Senate. I really, I really do. Um, but when it comes to um, you know, we're all at the Koga event. We all, we all, yeah, yeah. We all remember certain pieces of that. But I think. I'm pretty sure it's still on YouTube. <laughs> yeah, but I but I think the thing is, is the industry knows where you, we know where we sit. We know there's jobs. We know there's people who are working and you know uh, property owners and towns and mm-hmm. stuff who are who are getting benefits from it. Um, and so they'll continue to operate and hopefully operate as safely as possible. You know, um, and so some of these lower level players who don't play by the rules, hopefully they literally get peer pressured out. No, no, it's very you easy know. to weed yourself yeah, out of in they, this industry. They need to get peer pressured out. And then I hope industry continues to have conversations and understands people's perceptions are reality. Um, and so that can be a challenge when, you know, you see somebody protesting and it just seems like, oh my gosh, settle <laughs> down. Or like, I know you drove here and I know, you know, do you recognize your consumer choices or yeah. driving my industry? Then don't make those choices. Exactly. But, but I think, you know, you have to think at the same time, they don't know all of it. They're not in it Correct. every day either. And Correct. so really being empathetic to that and really sitting down and, and just listening and understanding um, and not trying to convince them of anything. I don't think you would. No. And I, and I think it's just meant to show, like, we're all people. And, you know, let's get to the root of the issue. If the issue is you don't ever want us to burn another, you know, fossil fuel, that's fine. Mm-hmm. But that's not realistic. So yeah. how do we have a realistic conversation? Exactly. And be like, I understand this is how you feel. Let's really get to a realistic conversation. And I think Colorado will get there um, faster than some other states. <laughs> I know I am an ultimate optimist. Um, when we talk about legislation, we've seen obviously 112, 181, all these yeah. different things. And that can be scary to industry. But I think recognizing that, you know, the whole transition is happening, period. Mm-hmm. And so how do companies kind of fit into that transition and um, being proactive in that 
and reaching out to their legislators, not to convince them why not to do something, but you know, it, it your best defense is the good offense, right? I agree with so that. So what is your offense? Not a battle. Your offense is like we're on the same team. Mm-hmm. So how are we on the same team? How can we help Colorado meet these certain objectives, whether it's air quality, which we know is a huge issue. So how yeah. else can we help and support saying it's not just us? Let's, you know, I heard them talking about cannabis industry. Like, how are they contributing? <laughs> but also, like, how can we continue to clean up our act, mm-hmm. but also support you guys as you look at other industries correct, as well? Correct, correct. Yeah. So I guess you've, you've been in this industry for so long. You know that we don't necessarily do a good job of promoting our good works, but everyone seems to do an awesome job of promoting our bad yeah. works. So what is it that you wish industry would do differently? Where are you seeing that gap happen? Because you do deal with people who are probably more renewable-based yeah. and a little, uh, I'm not going to say hostile, but a little cautious about the fossil fuel side of industry. So yeah. what are we missing? What are these companies, why isn't it resonating the way we would hope it would? You know, it's a good question. Um, I don't know if I have the right answer. I don't um, know that anyone does. Uh, but <laughs> I, I can offer like my best um, suggestions or what I've seen happen or yes. what seems to work well. Please do. Um, you know, I think industry has spent a lot of time and money specifically on trying to like um, educate friends and neighbors programs, things like that, to try to get people out like talking to each other. I think that's the wrong approach. Okay. Um, I would agree because it's not working and that's what everyone's doing. It's not working and like honestly if you know say I work at Whiting that's not my job when I go home that's your job company. (laughs) You know I do my job I do it well I do it responsibly. That's your job. I just have to get along with my neighbors. (laughs) Yeah like that's your job not mine. Um, You know generally people do stuff that they they have pride in so I don't know why I have to go and tell people that I have pride in what I do. Exactly. Um, and, And so I think that that's to me the wrong approach but um that's okay I think it's kind of preachy too if you think it is and the biggest thing is I think companies don't ask what their employees think that's a good point like do you want to go talk to your friends and neighbor and do you believe some of the stuff I'm telling you yeah you know because they might have a stricter environmental policy than they think is happening Mm -hmm. and so they might say like well I think we're doing the right thing for how big of a company we are and blah 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 um but they might have different opinions yeah and companies you know especially oil and gas, because they tend to be a bit more traditional, have um, sometimes more conservative leadership. And it's like, you might not have a conservative um, employee base. Correct. Did you ever ask? (laughs) And so it can lead to, Are you brave enough to ask? Different conversations. (laughs) You know, do you want want to have them go march on the Capitol? Maybe that's not what they want to do. Maybe they've got some stuff on a project they actually want to get done. Yeah. You know, and I, so I think that's the wrong approach. And I think the wrong approach is the battle. I think that's incorrect. Mm-hmm. Um, again, how I said earlier, it's not a battle. We're in this together. Yeah. So let's talk about the bigger issue. I know you want to talk about short term, very specifically, like how this is affecting me right now. But have the broader conversation and feel empowered to do it. Mm-hmm. And I think lots of times here, oil and gas companies or independents can um, use their trade organizations to do all that work for them. Yeah. And so you do that. And so that's how they kind of get the message out. But they're not advocating for you when you're working in Weld County specifically and helping maybe Mead School kind of meet some education purposes or build a vocational program. They're not advocating that for you. Mm-hmm. You have to do that individually. And yes. that's a challenge. So your good story, your PR that's getting out there, you know, that's not getting out there. It's not resonating. Only thing that's getting out there is your battles. Correct. And so that's not... I think a sustainable model mm-hmm. you know so what are you doing that's good maybe that's what your trade organizations need to be doing not the battles 
Yeah. Maybe they need to be out there talking about the good stories and not just saying, I bring jobs, I bring this and that, and that's the answer to everything. That's not. I did this, this, and this, my checklist. <laughs> yeah, because that's not having a conversation and really engaging. When companies specifically, PDC does a great job getting yeah. in there and getting engaged with folks. I um, think they do, yeah. Yeah. They're kind of a model. <laughs> and so, I mean, they're great. They have community outreach days, you know. It's just... You know, you'll see Excel. They'll they'll do huge advertising campaigns about them out in the community. That's great, mm-hmm. but they have to tell their own story. And quite frankly, some small shops just aren't set up to do that. Correct. Ever. And so, you know, you only hear about the bad stuff. So how you know maybe instead of spending all that money on ambassador programs and things like that, you spend it on telling your story. Yeah, possibly that might be the answer. So there's that, and then it's just you know making sure you're engaging and. You know, like you said, not condescending and um, speaking to humans like humans. Yes, yeah, and, and speaking in that middle ground. And yeah, don't get don't get caught up in those extremes. Don't go down that rabbit hole. It will get you nowhere. <laughs> it will go nowhere. Yeah. From east coast to west coast. Yeah. Policy wise. Yeah. What conversations are you noticing that are similar, and what conversations mm. maybe how's this? What conversations are different? Mm-hmm. Because east east coast oil and gas is not west coast oil and gas is not north and south so where are you seeing different uh i guess points and purposes come up across the Mm -hmm. 48 right now it's interesting i was just with someone who works in california Um, (laughs) everyone's favorite state and we were you know i think people forget there's a lot of oil and gas production out in california Um, go to ventura it's actually super cool yeah yeah and so you know i think you know some of their issues believe it or not, are starting to kind of feel what are a little bit more Western, you know, as, you know, obviously some of their uh, production sites are literally in towns and neighborhoods, right? Literally masked by like weird walls Mm -hmm. or buildings over, it's super weird. (laughs) Um, And so they're starting to feel from some of these legacy wells, some of the community issues that we've had, that we're starting to feel as, you know, communities encroach in on... um, what were you know rural areas yeah um, so where oil and gas existed yeah. now real estate is coming in yes and so they're starting to experience some of the same issues so i think there could be a lot of lessons learned um i hope so there so some sharing there yeah. which would be really nice um and then you know when i look at you know texas i feel like things are kind of okay um <laughs> yeah they they can make oil they're pretty kinda, good they're kind of fine <laughs> um and they don't really have a, any permitting issues or any anything like that but you know east coast is is certainly shifting and changing mm-hmm. um you know but some some of the issues which is interesting that oil and gas has run into in east coast you're seeing some renewables run into the same things Really? Yeah. In what way? So you think about wind and wind permitting and issues where it's not in my backyard and, um, you know, looking at um, permit holdups and additional EIS studies done and things like that are happening to renewables. And so it's fascinating. That's not making the news. (laughs) No, but it's fascinating to see this happen and they're frustrated and seeing what's happening. And again, this is why it's so nice to have people in classes together because there are massive lessons learned um, from oil and gas companies who are like, oh, that's standard. Or like, are you kidding me? Like, this is your like, first. You this about? is your first shutdown for protesters. Like, you know, barring themselves to something. Like, <laughs> yeah. And so, I mean, it's it's that stuff doesn't get talked about as much. Um, and the same thing with, um, uh, well, another trend I guess would be in the power utility side. How you know, obviously, natural gas has pretty much come online. You know, yeah, as a replacement fuel completely. Um, so that that's another big kind of trend that's come across. But aside from that, you know, policy issues are different. Mm-hmm. Um, they really mass are. will be different state by state. Um, some county states, by county. County by county. <laughs> and that's becoming more and more prevalent across the nation for sure. So it's becoming more and more of a conversation. Yeah. Not necessarily just because we're about to enter an election year or anything like that. It's no. just be- 
No, and you know, I think it goes back to kind of consumer demand. You know, consumer demand on products, for example, we're demanding Apple know how their chips were made, right? Or we yeah. demand, you know, <laughs> that you use a sustainable supplier for a certain yarn or whatever that comes into something. I think it's consumer demand to say, like, we need to know more about our products. I kind of like that. It's almost a farm to table approach. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. You know, what was, the, what was that Portlandia like? What was the chicken's name? And exactly. Oh, no, don't name the chickens. There are too many. <laughs> <laughs> We're not that far yet, I hope. Um, so in your expertise, because you, you guys saw the downturns, you, yeah. you've seen this prolonged one. Yeah. What do you think is going to happen five, ten years out? How, mm-hmm. What are your new leaders kind of predicting and how can someone at home like such as myself someone in the field start taking that and planning next strategic steps yeah i mean it's a great question i think you know like you said we've certainly seen these depths 08 14 um (laughs) hopefully they won't be as volatile um but i think that's just it i think always being focused on the future is the biggest part Mm -hmm. um and knowing your value um, and so kind of to the couple points we made, which is being curious along the way, kind of understanding different parts of the industry, um, both within, you know, whether you work on the engineering side or, you know, other pieces of oil and gas to, you know, getting curious and finding friends, uh, energy curious. Um, oh, I like that. Hashtag <laughs> yeah, energy curious. Exactly. Um, you know, what they do and how they do it and how your skills transfer. Yeah. Um, you know, I've seen folks move from power and utilities specifically over to oil and gas and vice versa. There's a nice combo there, um, that you can do that. Um, are you seeing much between upstream, downstream, midstream? Yeah, well, I would say like midstream for sure. Okay. Because uh, midstream, you you know, you have reservoir engineers on the midstream side too because <laughs> they need to know how much pipeline and they, you know, they only pay after it goes through. Yeah, and yeah. So it's, it's definitely um, a shift there for, I would say, upstream to midstream. Okay. Um, for, sh- for sure. <laughs> for sure. There. Downstream, I can't speak too much to. Um, but I think the overall... Um, advice I would say is like you want a resilient career and what does that mean Mm -hmm. Um, build that now which is with certain skills it's with a stronger network um, it's with um, you know keeping your professional ed up so you know go take that you know when things are kind of down a little bit go take that engineering exam get it done yeah Um, go for that master's get it kind of taken care of um, so that you're just ready for when something happens correct Um, and I think sometimes you don't know what's out there until you kind of meet and kind of learn a little bit more. You kind of get you get these blinders on, especially if um, not just engineers, some folks in our sciences, though, you only do that. That's it. You're in your, your own little <laughs> world and bubble, which is great. I know a few of those people. Yeah. <laughs> they worry me. <laughs> uh, but there's a broader world out there, so go yeah. go and figure out what, what some of those pieces are. Um, and, you know, when you talk about commodity prices, I think they will be stable, and mm-hmm. that's just different uh, kind of trends. I think you'll probably see 50s is just going to be pretty We'll pretty figure out that the, new normal. Yeah, that par for the course, and I think it'll just be pretty steady for a long time. Mm-hmm. It's probably going to stay about Especially, and I would gas. say <laughs> in North America. Uh, yeah, in North very, America. Very specifically in North America. <laughs> in I North think there will continue to be crazy volatile pieces. Um, internationally. Um, internationally. Um, but, you know, we're lucky. We have so much great domestic resource um, that we're kind of insulated a little bit. From your experience, having seen new leadership come through this program, yeah. what is it that you have noticed that might be a breakdown when they first get here and then sort of resolved when they leave here like what do you wish everyone's takeaway from this program mm. this opportunity this chance to communicate what do you wish that is it's mm, a good question I approach it from a couple angles but um the one angle that I think um 
probably matters the most for the rest of their life um, is they think they're just coming to grad school and taking classes. That's it. That's all they think? They think, I might learn something. They might, you know, get, they're just get away with something. They're just checking a box. I, you know, I'm coming to grad school. <laughs> I'm going to learn something. It'll be great. Um, they, don't, <laughs> they don't realize, though, that the real connections that they make, mm-hmm. you know, and that's with my faculty who oftentimes still go to beers with some of these guys, guys and gals, to be clear, um, you know, or that there's things they didn't even know existed out there, right? So, mm-hmm. you know, whether they're in a class with someone um, – who works in a different sector of their industry, they're like, I had no idea you had those issues. And it was like, yeah. Um, so I think, <laughs> you know, the fact that they can just learn so much from each other, it's yeah. not just the classroom experience, right? Um, and that they're going to have these bonds and relationships for the rest of their lives um, that show up later, you know, as I talk to alumni. Um, and so I, I think the one thing I've seen is, yeah, they come in, they think they're going to learn something, check a box, they might make a few friends and stuff, and realize they're leaving with lifelong connections um, and new opportunities. Mm-hmm. So that it's 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 more than just sitting in a class. I love that. Yeah. So having not started in this industry yeah. and found your way into it, one of my final questions that I'm trying to get is, I'm hoping that someone who is not in this industry listens to this podcast yeah. and has something to take away from it so seeing the protests seeing the disrupt disruptors seeing you know all the potential negative that's out there what do you think or what do you wish that they would learn about this industry that might have surprised you when you first started I think that's a great question I would say I think is that energy touches every part of your life I like uh, that. Every part of your life, you know, you turn on your light switch and you ex- it's a right to have power. It's a right to have heat. It mm-hmm. feels like it just, you know, if it's out for 20 minutes, we freak out. Um, you know, it, it's it's a right. It's a right to feel like I can drive my car somewhere. It's a right to, to kind of do that. It's it's part of, like, American freedom yeah. is to have these things. Um, and I think, you know, not coming from the industry, I didn't realize how much it touched every part of my life from the clothes that I wear mm-hmm. to the car that I, I mean, you, yeah, you fill your tank up with gas, but you don't realize, you know, to, I'm going to the hospital and, you know, they're using these plastics and, oh my God, I didn't even realize this happened. Mm-hmm. You know, that it touches every part. And, you know, it's not as simple as saying, hey, I don't want to do this anymore and cutting something off. That's not what it is. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think, you know, knowing that it touches every part of your life and that it's a complex world out there. Yeah. And, you know, be a part of the solutions be a part of the conversation and I think you know if everybody's willing to come to the table to have conversations that's the best we can hope for mm-hmm. um but and that's a great place to start yeah it's just a conversation right and again not not getting derailed by these different pieces but let's let's work on what we can mm-hmm. um yeah and do it together <laughs> I love that that's such great perspective so you're quite busy. <laughs> I know you wear like 12 or 15 hats. And yeah. I know that because of the people that pimped you out so that you would do this podcast. <laughs> Paid <laughs> so, in wine. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. They're, they're paying you in wine, probably. <laughs> um, will you please take us through a day in the life of Sarah? Because yeah. from uh, 12 a.m. until 11.59 p.m., you have so many spinning plates. How do you stay efficient, effective, how do you handle the fires? What have you done that has set you apart from someone else that might think they can do your job? Oh, yeah. Um, I would say I don't always do that well um, <laughs> by any means. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it's a challenge, right? And I think anybody will tell you it's a challenge. Um, I have a one-year-old son, too, so that is 
Also, so you have a lot of hats. New challenge. <laughs> so we get up early. Um, we get up really early. Uh, it gives me lots of extra time in the morning. Um, but essentially, you know, my day, it's hard. It's hard to stay focused and connected. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I try to attend a, a few industry events at least a month. Um, okay. A few less now with the little guy. Um, you know, making sure I'm networking as much as possible to kind of pay attention as to what's happening and what trends are out there. Um, I'm tapping into my board, which is important, my mm-hmm. advisory council, to making sure because um, they certainly get a different perspective on things than I get. Yeah. Um, so a few meetings with, you know, my board, a few meetings um, with colleagues, um, and then, you know, making sure I'm tapped into students because, you know, uh, we have a mission here. If what we're doing does not serve our students, our alumni, or our stakeholders, which is kind of my board and industry, it's yeah. not worth doing. I agree with that. Um, so it's really kind of making that a mantra mm-hmm. um, and helping that to shape my day and my priorities and expectations. Because the truth of the matter is you just cannot get it all done. It's just, it's physically impossible. Um, and so as long as I kind of keep that as my priority and as things pop up, if it doesn't work out, then those are the things that got to go. That's um, awesome. So yeah, so I try to do it. Some days are better than others. <laughs> um, but yeah, and, and the biggest piece is just trying to stay connected with the folks too, because ultimately at the end of the day, people are what matters. This is a people industry. Yep, it is. Most definitely. So if someone's driving along in their truck, they're looking for that next step. How do they get in touch with you? How do they figure out if this is the place that the GEM is where they need to come? Yeah, no, that's a great, that's a great plug. Thank you. Um, <laughs> no problem. Uh, Help so, dig it. <laughs> um, business at ucdenver.edu backslash um, global energy management. It's okay. a great way to do it. Um, reach out to me directly. I am always available for um, our students and alumni. So Twitter, LinkedIn, yes, Facebook. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Just type in CU Denver Global Energy Management um, and we will pop up. That's We're true. They easy. will. <laughs> uh, easy, easy peasy that. Or if you're downtown, swing by, stop by. We're on the uh, fourth floor of the business school, which is under massive construction, so you cannot miss us. It actually looks really cool in here right it's, now. <laughs> it's going to be really nice once it's done, guys. It's going to be fantastic. Um, January slash April. January Oh, that's that's coming up pretty they quick. They said January. It's really April. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, feel free to reach out to us directly. We're on Facebook. Again, we have email addresses. We have yeah. uh, we have lots of events and things like that that are coming up. Um, Y'all have excellent panels. I just want to throw yeah. that in there. Y'all are always giving excellent talks, excellent oh, panels, good thanks. takeaways. Thanks. And so one of our big missions and uh, newest one is kind of this uh, energy talk series, which is really fun. So yeah. everybody has to talk there. Um, <laughs> so there's no coming and hiding and just getting a free there breakfast. There are no introverts. <laughs> <laughs> no, we will do it over beer later, um, but we're starting a couple with breakfast series. But literally, we're, the next one we'll probably do will be on Colorado legislation. So I'd love to see Fabulous. people come out to that one. Um, and so literally, we cap those at 25. Everybody has to be involved in the discussion. Everybody has to come around and say their names. And we have a thematic kind of topic. Yeah. Um, and then everybody gets to ask questions. And I have kind of a, um, an expert in the room. So I might have a legislator there. It's not there to berate anybody because we don't allow that. Yeah, exactly. But it's there to, again, to drive that conversation, to drive dialogue so that we don't just, you know, sit and talk to each other about things that we think are important or why don't other people understand. It's to have people talk together and have conversations. So is, stay tuned for that one. That is like one of the most positive things I have heard and so well done. <laughs> like kudos. I didn't Thanks. even realize we're, y'all were doing that. Yeah, we're excited about them. Um, just kind of started the new format because everybody can go to a breakfast series and see a PowerPoint, Death exactly. by PowerPoint. We're over it. We're totally <laughs> over it so actually driving uh, discussion so tell us what is a book podcast or other oh. resource you would recommend because I have heard that y'all provide quite a reading list here and yes. we want to pay it forward so tell us everything yes yeah, so you know there's so many what has brought you value to. that you just love well I will say that the 
couple things recently um, just because everybody's coming out. Those are all the strategic outlooks that you can possibly get. Mm -hmm. So whether it's BP's outlook, Shell's, uh, NREL's, EIA, IEA. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, I really like the McKinsey reports and stuff that they put, put out. Those they are good. They have global perspectives. Um, I highly recommend those. I just literally get the weekly updates. Um, so How do you do that? Oh, you can sign up for them. Oh, that's so yeah, good. Yeah, So you get your headlines, and everybody, I'm sure, gets the DBJ headlines to kind yes. of come around and stay current. But I recommend the, um, the McKinsey ones, and then also Hart pushes out a few, too. Um, and so Hart and McKinsey do all energy, too. So if you really okay. want to make sure you have that kind of well-rounded perspective, I definitely suggest those. And as for um, podcasts and things like that, I generally go on the fun side. Yeah, um, what's your guilty pleasure? Just tell us. <laughs> this is going to sound so silly, but I like anything from um, – your classic, like, uh, wait, wait, don't tell me stuff, which is absurd. <laughs> There's no reason to listen to it. Um, to kind of This American Life, which is a bit Ooh. more, um, I don't say intellectual, but a little, you know, it's a more thinking man's podcast. Um, I love podcast. that. Um, yeah. And so, yeah, I think those would be my suggestions off the top of my head just to be very current and, yeah. Well, thank you so much for your time today. Thank you for all that you've done, that you are doing. I know so many people that have come through this program and are so much better because of it. So I hope someone finds y'all, listens to yeah. this podcast, finds y'all, and makes that next step because time, the time is now. Yeah. So thank you so much again. Thanks. Okay, guys, do you get it? Everyone is looking to take that next step in their career. And those interested in excelling in energy should seriously check out the gym program. That is the Global Energy Management Program. Sarah has done wonders to make this a successful and international program, and it very well could be your best strategy for the road ahead. Plus, let's face it, anyone can do anything for 18 months. Anyway, if you have any thoughts or questions for Sarah, you can shoot them to me via Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, or the website at www.thecrudeaudacity.com. There is a lot more to come from Sarah and the gym program, and we will circle back here soon. All right, guys, before you go, if today's episode brought you any sort of value, please rate, review, and subscribe. The more five stars we get, the more often we're able to deliver quality content from industry influencers. And as always, if you have a topic or influencer you would like us to feature, you can get in touch with us via Facebook, Instagram, or at our website, www.thecrudeaudacity.com. We greatly appreciate your engagement, and until next week, give them hell.